there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for Coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another episode of T4C. This next interview isn't going to be about my guest's profession per se, but rather about how he grappled with his own addiction to alcohol and to drugs. And by the way, he's just celebrated his sixth year of what he likes to call living in the sunlight of the spirit or recovery. And in the process, he identified his true north professionally as well as personally. And we hope that you get a lot out of this interview. But before I introduce you to the beautiful human being that is Ben Kiker, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's time for Coffee's weekly newsletter that gives you an exclusive peek at that week's episodes and its guests. And it is super easy to sign up. Just go to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four coffee.org, and the sign up box is right there on the homepage. Now, my Java lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated beverage because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Ben Kiker, the founder of the Ben Kiker Group, which in addition to working with companies to help them get unstuck, also works with executives one-on-one to help them overcome critical professional and personal roadblocks. A particular passion and strength of Ben's is recovery coaching which helps professionals who've hit the wall due to substance abuse or other addictions to build a healthy recovery foundation. And of course, the goal is to help clients get back to an integrated, authentic state. That, in turn, helps them return to peak performance, to GSD, as Ben likes to call it, or get shit done. By the way, if you want to learn more about how to break into Ben's previous profession, which he did for 25 years, that is the world of marketing in Silicon Valley, check out the show notes for this episode to see if Ben's Espresso Shots episode has already dropped. Ben, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? Andrea, I am caffeinated and ready to go. And thank you so much for that incredible introduction and for the very, very kind uh, comment. I got to tell you, I got a little tingly when I heard it. So oh. uh, thank you again for that. Much, oh my much gosh. Well, I had the pleasure of video chatting with you a couple of months ago. And really and truly, Ben, I have been kind of counting down the days until today because, Ooh. yeah, I feel so strongly about the mission that you are on to help people struggling with addiction to break free. And I feel that this topic is so important and I haven't yet done an interview, a caffeinated career conversation with someone like you before. So I know it's going to be a good one and I'm guessing it's going to be a great one. So I thought perhaps we could begin by talking about your own experience, Ben, with hitting the wall due to your addiction, and maybe you could talk about what the addictions were, and then sure. most importantly, how you helped yourself get over the wall 
finally, after many attempts, and by the way, huge congratulations on your sixth anniversary. Oh my gosh, thank you. I am incredibly grateful for that. And, you know, back to your earlier point about this being such a critical conversation to have. And it's one of the reasons why I came out as an executive in recovery several years ago is even if I just look at articles in the Wall Street Journal, and there was one several weeks ago called Beyond the Confetti, the Dark Side of Startup Success. Increasingly, we are seeing articles that appear in publications like the Wall Street Journal that are really talking about the mental health crisis in corporate America today, particularly with executives, high performers. And by the way, in part of that, mental health crisis is around addiction. So if I can lend my voice to that in whatever way that I can to help someone, including being a part of your program, I always jump at the opportunity to do that. So thanks again for inviting me on to talk a little bit about it. It truly is a pleasure and an honor to have the opportunity to speak with someone who is as authentic and as caring as you are. And I think those are just two superpowers that you can't fake. I appreciate that. And, you know, I'm reminded of a quote by the psychologist Carl Jung, privilege of a lifetime is to become who you truly are. And that is one of the many rewards for me of what I've done. So back to your earlier question about my journey, what I thought I would do is split it into three sections. And first is hitting the wall. Second is my moment of clarity. And then third is the shift into doing what I do today. Does that work? Absolutely. Awesome. So let's start with hitting the wall. So there were lots of, let's call them early warning signs, Andrew, that I had a portion control problem with alcohol, cocaine, and crystal methamphetamine, which is actually what really took me down in a pretty big, spectacular way. And 2009 is when I really hit the wall. And this issue had been building for me and to the point where I had to hit the pause button on work. And I went to a 30-day residential treatment program, also known as rehab. And when I went to that program, I was incredibly afraid that I would hear the following, you need to stay longer. And all I wanted to do, Andrew, was get out of that program and get back to what I perceived was my big life, the big life, the big job, the big car, the big house. And so I played the perfect little rehab student uh, who always sat in the front row, took great notes, said, that's interesting. Thank you. Wow, you really changed my perspective and built this amazing plan of all the things that I was going to do when I left. And 72 hours after leaving, I ended up relapsing. And when that happened, I fell into a place of what today I look back on as debilitating fear. Every morning I woke up with the following in my head, you're going to lose your job today. You will never work in this town again. 
any success that you've had had absolutely nothing to do with you. Your partner now husband is going to leave you. Your friends will abandon you and all that you've worked to build, you will lose. And that's the way that I woke up every morning. And I went to work as a CMO for a technology startup in the spotlight, big company, and acted as if everything was fine. And it nearly killed me. I'm going to pause there for a moment and see if there's anything that you want to double click on before I keep going. Well, gosh, I'm actually wondering how you functioned on the job and not just in any job. As you said, it was a C-suite job. You were a chief Uh, marketing officer. I was a weekend warrior. I would, and by the way, this is very very similar, Andrea, to other high performers who become addicted. I would do everything that I could to protect my job. That was number one. And orchestrate things in a way that would allow me to basically use, get loaded, and escape on the weekends. The problem, though, is is that the weekends started to become longer and started to have more of an impact on what I was doing. And I also was able to actually put together a little bit of time. I would be clean and sober for a month or two months or three months or four months, but then I would relapse and it would start the cycle all over again. And then I would have to work you know, very hard to start to re-engage and get back on track. So how did you finally get over the wall of addiction? So what happened was I hit the pause button on work and I stepped away from that big job and I took almost a two-year break and I'm incredibly grateful for the resources that I had that allowed me to do that and for the resources that I met during that journey that really helped me start to build some momentum around recovery. And you know, by the way, during that break, I got to experience the best of what recovery could provide. But I also had some pretty gnarly, harmful resources as well. And then my moment of clarity came in 2013. I had been clean and sober for about four months. And I started using one weekend. And I I think had been using for about 72 hours. And I'll never forget this moment. There was something inside of me that said, if you don't stop right now, if you don't stop right now, you will not make it through the day. And I did something that I had become incapable of doing before, which is I stopped and I came home. And it was one of those beautiful spring mornings that if you are drunk or high, you absolutely hate because you walk in and the sun is shining and the birds are chirping. And I'll never forget sitting in the living room of our home and just having a moment of clarity of it is never going to be any different for me. Anytime that I put a substance into my body, I am always going to end up in the exact same place. Alone, scared, the list goes on. And I made the decision the next day to get back into my recovery program and reconnect with people that I had met in recovery 
going to recovery meetings, including 12-step meetings, and I got back on the horse, so to speak. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause there for a moment because then I want to talk about what happened at year one and sort of what I did that allowed me to finally get you know one year. Great. Because as I was listening to you, Ben, and thank you so much for sharing uh, this and for your candor and you know, willingness to take us along in the journey, for our young listeners some of whom may still be in college and may be looking at that time or young adults. And I can certainly remember that time very, very easily where it's just the norm to go out and get drunk. And my understanding is now it's become even more so that not just you accidentally get drunk, but you go out with that mindset because you need that relief. You want that obliterated mindset. What can you share with our young listeners that you wish you had known when you were a young guy? I wish I had known that there is a lot that we don't know about addiction. And by the way, I include alcoholism under addiction. And while there are still varying schools of thought, on why someone crosses the line from being a normal drinker or a normal cocaine user, or in my case, a normal crystal meth user, occasionally get chuckles on that. While we don't fully understand why someone crosses that line, what we know is when someone does cross that line and it moves into addiction, it is incredible. Incredibly, incredibly difficult, if not impossible, to get back on the other side of the line and go back to some normal level of use. And I share that because there is a risk. There is a risk if you are consuming your substance of choice to the point where you are getting obliterated and other issues are starting to pop up in your life that are harmful to you, harmful to others. There is a risk that you will cross that line. And for me, when I cross that line, and by the way, there is also no sign that tells you, danger, you are about to cross the line. If you do that one more time, you're going to be on the other side of the line. And you know, one of the challenges for me early on is I kept wanting to get back on the other side of the line and admitting that I truly had a problem and that I could no longer do that was incredibly, incredibly difficult and very hard. So I guess a, a long way of saying, I wish I would have known early on how difficult it would be if I did, in fact, cross that line and understood the risk about that a little bit better. So I want to hear in a yeah. minute about how yeah. you got through that first year of recovery in 2013. Is yeah. that correct? It was 2013. That's correct. Yep. May 22nd, 2013 is the day that I had that moment of clarity that I shared with you previously. So I wasn't sure before we started this interview, Ben, just how open and honest I wanted to be in this conversation. But I think I am going to share a bit more about myself 
And that is, Please. yeah, that I have been sober now for over a year. I think I'm coming up, it may even be a year and a half. And it is the second time that I've gone through this. And I was never the kind of drinker for the most part that you would have said that person has a problem. It was mostly something where I just felt I needed to soothe myself. It was a way to soothe myself in the evenings by having two or three glasses of wine. My issue was I just couldn't stop. Like I would stop after the second or third glass. The next day, I wanted it again. And what I can say, and I don't know if this has been your experience, Ben, is that I came to recognize that I was using the alcohol to comfort myself and that I wasn't allowing myself to feel pain that I had. And we all have pain, but to really feel it and sit with it and recognize that you will get to the other side and you don't need the crutch. You don't need to numb yourself to get through the day or get through the month. Does that resonate at all with you? Absolutely. And first and foremost, congrats on the decision that you made and congrats on being now sober over a year. That's a big friggin' deal. By the way, when I hear people that celebrate 30 days, I am blown away. That's a very, very difficult thing to do. So first and foremost, congrats on that. I think all addiction is either running from something or running to something. And the self-awareness that you had, that you were running from some level of pain that you didn't want to sit with, confirms that. And that leads to one of the things that we learn to do in recovery, which by the way, even before I crossed that line into addiction, is we learn much better emotional regulation. And independent of all of this, I wish what I would have heard when I was 20, 21, and 22, and by the way, not drinking to the level that I later did and not certainly not using the drugs that I did later, what I really wish that I would have learned or someone would have had a conversation with me about at that point is really around this topic of emotional regulation. How do you sit with the feelings and the thoughts that are uncomfortable. And that for me has been one of the big lessons, one of the big learnings for me on my journey. And quite frankly, it's a lot of what I do with clients today is helping them with that emotional regulation. So how do you do that? How do you sit with those uncomfortable feelings and get to the other side? So I'm going to share, in fact, I just did a workshop with a group of folks who are in recovery. And I'm going to share one of my favorite go-to techniques for doing that. Are you ready? I am ready. Hit the pause button, pull up, and observe your thinking, observe the feeling without attaching to it. So hit the pause button, pull up, and observe our thinking. And what you try to do is create a little bit of distance between yourself and between that thought, between that feeling that maybe hijacked you in that moment. And by creating that distance, you then had the ability to get back to, and this is one of my six essentials to getting shit done, you then had the ability to remind yourself 
there are truly only two things that I control, the actions that I take and the attitude that I show up with. So now that I hit the pause button, I pulled up, I've created a little bit of psychological distance between me and this issue. What is a healthy action I can take or what's an adjustment to my attitude, my outlook that I can make in order to come back into the present moment? Yes, a hundred percent. And I should add just a little footnote to the story that I just shared about myself, and that is that I had quit drinking for seven years before that. And my husband and I were going through some challenges in our marriage, and I made the decision then that I needed to numb myself. We were going on a family trip to South Africa, and I was like, we're going to the Wine Valley. And I thought, you know, to be honest, fuck it. I am going to consciously numb myself. And I went back and I was drinking again for two years and with very few exceptions, never got drunk. I mean, it was just I got buzzed, but it was very hard to say I'm not going to drink today. So that's when you know you have a problem when you can't stop. And I will tell you that I have been in therapy with a couple of different therapists for the last 10 plus years. And that is where the self-awareness comes from, just to your point. And I didn't do this through a 12-step. I just found personally, it didn't work for me. I'm sure there are great programs that could. I just didn't, I guess, do enough searching. But I think what really helped me and my moment of clarity was when I woke up almost a year and a half ago after having drunk half a bottle of wine and had bed spins and just thought, is this the way that I want to live my life where I'm waking up with vertigo, not feeling well? And that was the moment where I just said no more. So a couple of things from that. One, thank you for sharing your moment of clarity. I think it is incredibly important for people who have struggled with this disease when they do have that moment of clarity to share it and to share it often and to and to stay close to it. That's number one. Number two, addiction is a complex disease and the treatment of it typically will involve different kinds of resources at different points. And what I always coach and remind folks is if you're trying something that's not working for you, let's try something else, right? There wasn't one resource or one type of resource that helped me on my journey. It was many resources at many different times along that journey. So what were some of those resources? So when I, as I shared earlier, my moment of clarity occurred on 2013. When I reached a year clean and sober. So in that time in 2014, and by the way, I had never been able to do that before. The most clean and sober time, the most recovery time that I had was around seven months. So when I reached that year, a lot of folks asked me, what did you do differently? Particularly people that had really seen me struggle over a number of years. And there were three things that I want to share with your audience. And I really what I've come to appreciate about these three things is not only are they helpful for someone going through this process, but they can be helpful outside of work around recovery as well. Number one, I had to get really super 
honest. And for me, what I found is whatever I held back, whatever I didn't talk about, whatever I didn't share, it was always the thing that made me uncomfortable to the point that I would pick up again. And I'll never forget someone asking me, Ben, are you interested in doing this? Or are you really committed? And the answer, Andrew, is I wasn't truly committed, but I had to get honest. The second thing that I did is really learn to become a seeker and learning to look outside of myself. And I'll never forget early, early on seeing an interview with Dr. Drew Pinsky. I don't know if you remember or not, he did the show Celebrity Intervention. I do. I, I And occasionally it. I would, there you go, a lot of people watched it. And I'll never forget, someone asked him one time, for people who get and maintain recovery for an extended period of time, what's common? And he paused for a little bit. And then he said, without exception, each of them has come to believe that there is something bigger in the world than themselves. And that connecting at a more deeper spiritual level, and you've had other folks on the show that have talked about that, and the importance of that has been critical. The third thing that helped me get over the wall and I really wish that I could bottle this and sell it because if I could, Andrea, you and I would be having this conversation in the Garden Island of Kauai is <laughs> the ability – I would actually fly you to come have the conversation with me there, to the interview there uh, – is the ability to just let go. And that's why one of my six essentials is do you want to let go or do you want to be dragged? And I was holding on to so many things so tightly and really learning to learning to let go. Yes, I love that. And by the way, I would join you in Kauai in a heartbeat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but what I was going to say is just to our young listeners, because old folks, and I'm using air quotes as I say that because I don't feel old. I don't know about you, Ben. I don't feel I, old either. I feel about 30. I mean, that really is kind of my internal age. How old do you feel? 35. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So, we're, we're, we're in about the same, the same boat there. I like it. I know that our young listeners would look at us and say, because we are, we're middle-aged technically on the actuarial chart. But in terms of the societal pressures, when Ben and I go out, he goes out with his husband, I go out with my husband, we meet our friends, most of them are drinking. Yeah. And we're the ones that are partying sober. And I say this to you because not only have we been where you are now, but we are still in an environment. I've been now in three industries. This is my fourth. Every single industry I've been in, there's been an awful lot of drinking and partying an awful lot. And you can party sober and be happy. <laughs> you really can. Yes, in fact, you happier. Can. Yes, you can. Happier. And the other piece to my story, Ben, is that I wanted to show my son, who was then 14 when I made this decision, but he was a little guy when I first quit. I wanted to show him that you can party sober and that you don't need to turn to something to have more fun. You don't need to drink or smoke some 
pot or edible, whatever, whatever. the case may be. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to do that. And if you are one of the lucky ones who is able to do it moderately and live your life, power to you. Honest to God. Go forth and yes. 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 Live That's long great. and prosper. The issue is it's a bit of a game of Russian roulette. You don't know if you're the one who, like Ben and I, can't handle it. That's back to the earlier part of the conversation, which is there's that line. And we just don't know. We don't know. Despite all of the research that's been done in this field, we don't know why and when someone crosses that line. That's the bottom line. And I think that is another reason why it is so important for you. And I should also add a PS. I am by no means a professionally trained recovery coach or therapist or anything like that. And to my knowledge, neither is Ben. We are just two people who have life experiences that we are trying to share with you. And Ben has done an awful lot of coaching with an awful lot of people who are in recovery. Right, Ben? Correct. Both statements are correct. I'm not a licensed medical professional, but I have done a significant amount of one-on-one coaching in this field, and I have certainly been a big consumer of of services. Yeah. So what I was going to say is there are various practices that you can bring into your life to help you manage pain, and I highly recommend that you learn to manage it and not to numb it. And that is meditation, exercise, eating right, getting enough sleep. I'm sure Ben can add some to that list, but being mindful, all of these things to help you manage your anxiety and to help you get through the pain that you are dealing with in your life. And I'm going to say this and then I'm handing it over to you, Ben, for final words of wisdom. But I would just say, bring those into your life one way or another because you will feel so much happier and more content and more authentic as a result. Agree. So I'll I'll close, Andrew, with three things. Number one, and I want to pick up on the great suggestions that you just made. What I have learned is that being intensely focused on the present moment, which by the way, is the only moment that counts, is not my default setting, not my default setting. So all of the great suggestions that you just with your listeners are all outstanding suggestions for coming back into the present moment where whether or not you're struggling with, let's just even call it substance abuse, maybe not full on addiction are super helpful tips because when we're in the present moment, we have the ability to make a more optimal decision. Number two, if you have crossed that line and you have tipped into what would be considered addiction, what I always remind folks is being an active addiction to drink and use the way that I did, the way that other folks do to try to, quote, keep it together, super difficult. Being in recovery, that's hard work too. The difference is, what outcome are you looking for? When I was active in this disease, my world got incredibly small, but being in recovery and doing that work, my life has dramatically expanded, dramatically expanded beyond anything that I would have imagined before. And I am so deeply, deeply grateful for that. 
And the third thing that I'll share is one of my favorite reminders for coming back into the present moment. And for our listeners, we're recording this on a Tuesday. It is shocking to me when I wake up in the morning how many things my headquarters wants me to focus on that actually have nothing to do with Tuesday. And so I find myself, and I'll close with this tip, today is Tuesday. And all I have to do is Tuesday. Yeah. What great advice. What wonderful wisdom. Isn't that awesome? Love it. We don't have to do last Tuesday or next Tuesday or what our mind tells us is Tuesday three years from now. Let's just go do Tuesday. And the truth is so many of the things that you're angsting about and you're worrying about, whether it's tomorrow or next month, oftentimes, if you just focus on now, those things disappear. Like whatever it was you were stressed yes. about doesn't happen. Yes. So if how much you energy did you waste? Yes, 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 yes. We could literally do a whole other podcast <laughs> on that. <laughs> well, maybe we can one day. Ben, I want to thank you so, so much. I am incredibly grateful to you for making time for coffee today, for giving me the courage to be more authentic, more honest with the Time for Coffee community about the journey that Thank I you. am on right now. And I just can't say enough wonderful things about you. Ben's website is benkiker.com. You can find all kinds of great videos that are short, quick, and blog posts to give you inspiration. And if you need a coach, you've just gotten a little taste of the high caliber coaching that Ben is capable of doing. Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you very much, Andrea. Let's go make it a great Tuesday. And GSD. GSD. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.